baptized in the name of Jesus. How many of you here have been baptized in the name of Jesus already? You do not need, if you feel like uh, others will be embarrassed, or you do not need to raise your hand so that others that have not been yet will feel embarrassed. How many of you here have, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, you have thought about it, at least thought about it. So answer that question in your heart. If you have not thought about it yet, would you consider thinking about it? Especially when you see this message. Matthew 13, verse, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, it says the following. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? And then in verse 15, he says, But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Then John allowed him. Remember what Jesus is saying here, that um, going back to 15. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness, for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness, and for John the Baptist to fulfill all righteousness. It was a plan in the mind of God. When you study of John the Baptist carefully, you will see that those who were following John the Baptist became very jealous of those who were following Jesus because now those who were following Jesus were doing baptisms also. And they say, oh no, this is a ministry of our leader, John, and um, in the future he will be known uh, as John the Baptist. <laughs> and so they were very jealous and they went and caused, almost caused, John the Baptist to fall. Sister White says that uh, when you study it in the Desire of Ages, in that chapter that talks about that dilemma, that John the Baptist's disciple almost caused him to fall by tempting him to see things the way they were seeing. But because John the Baptist was so focused on the mission, he turned to them and said to them what? He must increase and I decrease. Uh, uh, I came to prepare the way for him. This is my mission. Leave them alone. Leave him alone. You know what happened when uh, disciples and followers think of themselves as higher than the one they follow, what happened? This is what happened. There is a religion out there of the followers of the John the Baptist to this day. 
Imagine if John the Baptist would be brought from the dead and come to the year 2022 and he says, What? You missed all the point. It was not about me. As John the Baptist said to his disciples, it is not about me. I just came to prepare the way for him. He is the one. And uh, when he came to Jesus to be, when Jesus came to him to be baptized, the Bible, you can see it, John the Baptist saying that, and, and Ellen White also helps us to understand it even more clearer, that John the Baptist did not know Jesus yet. He had never met Jesus up to that point. And the way he met Jesus, it was he was baptizing those who came to him, and Jesus came to him. And when he came to him, God spoke to John the Baptist, saying, this is it, this is him, the Messiah. And then by the Spirit of God, he uttered the words in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Imagine to follow your leader in such a way that when he comes to mind, you know that you are nothing, that he is everything. And that's the way we should follow Jesus. Let us learn this lesson with John the Baptist. And this happened in verse 16 here, that this is when he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting upon and in verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And that is exactly what Jesus told us that will happen to those who are also baptized in Him, in His name. Have you been baptized in Jesus? God will say, Oh, He said, That of you. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I am well pleased. Do you know why? This is what has been preached and we do not understand why God would say this about us when we are baptized. Sister White, in Desire of Ages, page 111, it says, Jesus did not receive baptism as a confession of guilt on his account but on our confession of guilt on our account okay and remember we were in in a huge debt reminds us of the account if you go to my account in my bank you won't see much in there maybe if you go to brothers um, Malcolm's account you will see some if, if, you, if you can afford to have 500 ties, you might have to have some money. And I bet I, I came short. It's not 500, right? Thousand. I have like two. That's all I can afford. Well, not two. I remember I like four or five, but only two that I really wear. The other ones were like, 
you know, I'm such a good CEO, I couldn't. When you go to an account, you'll see the debt. And what an eternal debt we had. But then Jesus came to be baptized. As a confession, not on his account, uh, of his own account, but ours. That's why he had to become one of us. Not only temporarily, not only symbolically, but eternally and literally. So much so that that Jesus, before being born as one of us, is not the same anymore. Why? Why? Because of my sin. He became one of us. Well, you say, well, God never changed. He's the same and so on. Yes, he never changed. God never changes. Jesus did not change. His divinity was united with our humanity. His divinity is always the same. His humanity was a new thing. Because of you. Not because you were so, because of me. Not because I was so handsome. Well, I am, but... uh, My wife says I am. But because of my ugliness, the defects in my character. I came from factory with the factory defect. He identified himself with sinners. You know when you go to a party or to a place and you see some people then you go like, because you don't want to identify yourself with him. And he is your first cousin. <laughs> but Jesus came. And he identified with us. Ellen White says that with his human, with his divine arm, he reached through the throne of God, and with his human arm, he embraced humanity. Taking the steps that we are to take, and doing the work that we must do. The step that we are to take is to go through the baptismal waters, water, and do the work that we must do. Why do we, why does it say we must do? I don't mean to teach you English, but this word must means there is no way out. If you choose not to do, you also choose your eternal destiny. This must do, it is not really also because God needs your help. Because he could, and he still can, send his angels 
And don't misunderstand it that in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, when it says, And I, John, saw in the midst of heaven, uh, uh, saw another angel in, flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, unto every kindred, tongue, nation, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come and worshiped him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. That angel there, many of us, I still stuck with the idea that it is a real angel. No. That angel there is only an explanation of how powerful the message will be preached by God's children. It will be as powerful as an angel flying and speak with a loud voice that the entire world will hear it. That angel there is God's people doing that work. And the reason God says they must do, it is because it will help them to be saved. See, we want to be saved. But just to want to be saved will not do it. We need help. How could we be helped? An older brother or the pastor or would come and help us. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. You'll be saved. You'll be saved. They'll do everything for you and maybe you give, give good tithe, give, return the tithes and give God a good offering, keep the Sabbath, eat Loma Linda vegetarian food, all those things and you are doing everything you can to be saved. Those things don't help. None of those things help. Your father, your mother, the elder, the pastor, they don't help. The pastor, for example, even with this feeble, uh, poor, broken English, is the channel that God has been using to get the message across to his people that his people have to follow on the footsteps of Christ. They must follow on the footsteps of Christ. And the very first step is presented as taking the steps that we are to take. And then doing the work that we must do. Guess when was the beginning of Jesus' ministry? After his baptism. And that was on which year? Good Seventh-day Adventist? 27 AD. Did you know that Jesus was born three years later after? <laughs> yeah. Je because the calculation of the dates, they missed it. They missed for three years. So when Jesus was baptized, he was 30 years old, but he was baptized at the year 27. That's the beginning of the 70th week. That in the middle of that week, he will put a stop on the offerings and sacrifices because he will be, he will be sacrificed. Now his ministry, his ministry began after his baptism. And then he did all the work that he was supposed to do. He wanted to do more, really a lot more. 
but it was prophesied that humanity, 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 especially the house of Israel, the greatest leaders, the most profound scholars that have ever walked on this planet Earth. And I'll tell you this. You do not really need to study the Bible carefully to find out that it was impossible for them to not know that he was the Messiah. But as it was said, it is expedient that he should die. It is important for us. We are making way too much money. I happened that when I did my archaeology study and I did the Israeli study tour, part of my class in Israel, I went to uh, this museum in Jerusalem that uh, shows uh, a small, uh, how do you call it, scale of um, the house of um, Herod's house. I cannot describe it to you. More or less, you would be like the land, his property, of, of buildings and houses were about the size of a block in our modern days now, the streets, the whole block. This was all one house with various rooms, various hallways for the servants and for the guests, for the other members of the family. It was like being a multi-billionaire in our days. When Jesus came, now, we, we end with this word, with these words. His life of suffering and patient endurance after his baptism uh, you think that is only to do the work which in itself is already hard? Other things are harder than that. His life of suffering and patient endurance after his baptism was also an example to us. Will you follow his example? Now, let me tell you. How many of you here truly believe that we are heading to wonderful and beautiful days ahead of us? The 1,000 years of peace on earth. That is the apostate Protestant belief out there. When those 1,000 years come, if you expect to, to live in a peaceful world, you will be disappointed because it will be a very hot, not, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet. It will be a very disgraceful and dark world. You will be, they will be in the tomb. Only one will be wandering upon the face of the earth. The enemy himself. The millennium will take place in heaven. When the records of all those, we will be the judges together with Christ. We believe that the fiercest time of Earth's history is yet to come. How do you prepare for something? You do it in a smaller scale, up to the point where you think that, yes, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. 
I allowed myself to go through all this of suffering and patient endurance. Not that you are supposed to put yourself in that, but if that is in your way, in our way, we should ask God to give us the strength to go through it and be ready for what is yet to come, what is yet to come until the final and fiercest period of Earth's history. Because ready or not, it will come. The first step then is baptism. What is baptism? Here's what uh, Romans. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also should walk in newness of life. This is Romans 6, 4, and now 5. For if we have been united together in, like, in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. And then the following verse goes on to say, verse 7, no Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And in verse 7 and 8, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Talking about us. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, how many of you here have ever... I have to ask, just for illustration, have ever died before, literally? We, we have not. But how many of you here have ever come really close to die sometime in an experience in life before? Yeah, some of us. Um, I was involved in a car accident. Three people died. I survived, had 10 plastic surgery on my face. I look a lot better now than before. Um, my arm and so on. And so, and I have uh, been, uh, uh, had those close calls uh, a couple of times in my life. Once I was saved, as I told the children's story here once, by Red Cross, because I was drowning in the ocean there in Rio de Janeiro and so on. God has been good, has been merciful to us, to all of us. No one, no wants to die, for sure. Oh, if, if Jesus could come and I would just be taken to heaven without going through and suffering that sting of death, the pain that goes with that realization that that's it, there is nothing that can be done about me. I once, not too long ago, in my former district, I ministered to a, a man by the first name only, Ron, and uh, he was, his case was a, a terminal one. And he told me, Pastor, in the hospice, he said, Pastor, could you talk to the doctor and ask him if there isn't anything else that he could do for me? And I said, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can talk to him. But I, did, I said that just to kind of uh, 
offer some comfort. In my ministry, I have uh, had these cases of uh, ministering to people that are on hospice quite a few times. Um, once I had this lady, young lady, sitting with my wife and I and planning her funeral. And she told us, it was like, it was like the most horrible thing ever to go through that step by step and she was telling us and then it didn't happen exactly the dates that they and it was horrible and then with this brother what, what a mistake I made by saying yes I, I can talk to him just to offer some comfort because I thought he would, he would never come back to me and ask me like the following time I went to talk to him and he said did you talk to the doctor and what did he say I said, well, Ron, let us pray now. And I offered some comfort and Bibles and Bible passages and so on. And I spent a long time with him and praying. And then he turned to me and he said, there is not hope, right? Yes, and he passed. And I did his funeral later. It is a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing when you go through those days. I can feel, I can, I could feel, I could tell it. Now, to die with Christ, it is really to die with him when you are baptized. You die for the rest of this world with all that it has to offer. All the pleasures. Even the ones that you think they are good ones, they are Innocent ones. Sister White says that the things of this world are, are planned or carved to make us fall. Okay? Talking about this text that we just read, she goes on to say in Letters and Manuscripts, Volume 22, 162, through believing on Christ and being buried with him by baptism, men show their deadness to the reigning power of sin. Coming up out of the water is a symbol of the resurrection. And she goes on to say, By believing in Christ, they thus experience in their own persons the same divine power which raised Christ from the dead. Baptism is a symbol of salvation. Acts chapter 2 verse 28. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have been waiting for the latter rain, which will come in great measure, right when the house of Israel, you and I, those who keep the commandments of God, our test is tested first. The dilemma will be the keeping Sabbath versus keeping Sunday. Upon making the decision for the Sabbath, you are sealed. Ellen White says that the sealing is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in great measure. But when you are baptized, you start to receive a measure of the Holy Spirit that will work in you, work in us, that transformation step by step. Things that you did not use, that we did not use to be ashamed of, we will be ashamed of. Because now we know better. We've been learning more. And she goes on to say, the, the, Ellen White, 
Desire of Ages, 181. It is the grace of Christ that gives life to the soul. Apart from Christ, baptism, like any other service, is a worthless form. You just go through the water and come out. You have to have Christ in your heart. We have to have Christ in our hearts. He that believeth not the Son shall not, what? See life. Do you believe the Son? Have you been baptized in Christ? True baptism, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, says the following. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know, Ellen White, when she was baptized way there in Portland, she was from Gorham, but she was baptized in Portland. And uh, she had a, she has a, um, a sister called uh, Hannah, but she also had a sister, a cousin called Hannah. And she was baptized in the ocean there in, in, in Portland. And, and her cousin, Hannah, wanted to be baptized also. Actually, the pastor had told her of her church. The, 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 it was not the, the Methodist church anymore because they had left that church because of the Millerite movement. It was the Christian Connection Church. And, and now uh, this pastor was teaching, you know, uh, you can be baptized by immersion. I can do that. But, you know, it is the same if you are baptized by sprinkling. He taught both things. And so she said, no, no, I don't see in the Bible uh, any other way than by immersion. I want to be baptized that way. And she spoke to her cousin. And her cousin said, I want to be baptized that way also. But however, her uncle, her cousin's father said, no, 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 I don't want you to go through the water there. You will be baptized by sprinkling. Her cousin was baptized by sprinkling, and she was baptized by immersion. I'm just mentioning this because the true baptism has to be by immersion, indicating the burial. You are buried. You died. You died, and you are buried. There is one baptism, one God and Father of all. Have you noticed that he compares baptism to one faith, to one Lord, to one God? That's how important it is for us to keep with that one true baptism who is above all and through all and in, 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 in you all. So as God is so present with us, so is baptism. And we finish with these words. Letters and manuscripts, volume 17, page 57. And this is powerful. For us to pay uh, close attention to what it is saying. And if you, as I asked the question in the beginning, have been baptized, remember this. You are being reminded. Those who are considering uh, to be baptized, remember this is what will take place. Like Elizabeth, this is what, what will take place. And those who have not thought about baptism, but, but is thinking now, this, this is important to you. Remember this. Look at this. The ceremony of baptism is the most solemn one. Hmm? The most, okay, okay. Is a wedding a ceremony? Yeah. Wow. Is a communion a ceremony? Wow. Of all these, 
of all the ceremonies. Baptism is the most solemn one. Men and women are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This signifies that the three greatest representatives of, the, of heavenly authority behold the baptismal service and hear the vows that are made by human agents to walk henceforth in newness of life. In taking the baptismal vows, man unites with the highest powers in the heavenly courts. He covenants to live the life that Christ lived while on earth. And Christ, on his part, fulfills every promise that he has made in his word. Every promise that he has made in his word. He molds the character of everyone who follows in his footsteps. Wonderful, wonderful is his work in behalf of sinners. Wonderful, wonderful is his work in our behalf. With that, I would like to say that uh, if any of us, and God forbid, any of us gets lost, it was totally because of his or her own fault. 